We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Villato. And today we have a special guest joining us on the show. It's Kent Lee Plate. I think I pronounced that last name correctly, though we just had a big back and forth discussion on how it actually is supposed to be pronounced. And I heard like three different variations, so I tried to juggle in my head which one was the correct one. You may know him on Twitter as Math Bomb. He is the dude who created the relative athletic score, and he's the dude who tracks it. So I'm sure you've seen a lot about that because I've been tweeting a lot about it myself over the last week, specifically during the Combine. So today we wanted to bring him on to talk a few things. One, we wanted to get the overall his overall um, kind of how RAS came together. We also want to talk about how Joe Shane, Giants general manager, used it in his first season, in his first draft last year, and then some big takeaways from this draft. But before we do that, Kent, how are you doing today? I know you've been on the circuit. You've been talking to a lot of people, and this is your time of the year to shine. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to be on. Always always love spending time with, with G-Men fans and, and hanging out with big blue guys. Um, you know, I've been on uh, with John Schmiel a couple of times. Um I think the last three years we've been we've been on his show so it's always fun to come on and talk to stuff uh family has always been super supportive so very very excited to talk about this stuff with y'all awesome so let's get started right there then tell us how uh relative athletic score came to be what goes into it and then maybe give us a little insight on one thing you would hope the nfl would start doing at the combine from a testing standpoint if there is a thing that would kind of give you even better idea of what these players relative athletic score can be you're limiting me to one, man. I could yeah. talk hours. On Give us all topic. of them. Um, you know, it relevant athletic scores is almost a decade old. I started this in 2013. Um, the idea at the time was to try to conceptualize metrics in a way that, that is simple and makes sense to a, a casual observer, a dedicated fan, people who've been watching this for 20, 30 years, everybody can understand it. And it's, it's simple. You know, we have all these different terms that get thrown around at draft time. This guy is quick, but not fast. This guy is explosive. This guy is, is slow even, or athletic, unathletic. These terms don't mean anything without the context behind them. And it's really nice, I think, to, to put a score behind it that helps add that context so it makes a lot more sense. Um, in 2013, we had Le'Veon Bell come out, and that was the big discussion that year was, how can an a, a running back this unathletic end up in the, in the early rounds? And he wasn't unathletic, not even close. He just ran a 4.640, so that was the whole talk was, well, he's unathletic. You want to say he's not fast? Sure, then say he's not fast. But unathletic was totally incorrect. It was not a good way to describe Le'Veon Bell. He was a bigger back that ran a 6.75 three-cone. That is a fantastic three-cone for any back, let alone a back at his size. 
Guy had all kinds of athleticism. He just didn't have that foot speed that they were looking for. So they started giving him the wrong terms. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, I, you know, every year there's guys that we're able to look at and they get that. Oh, well, he didn't run a great 40, so he's not super athletic. We had that with Kyle Hamilton last year that went to the Ravens. Hamilton was extremely athletic. He just didn't run a great 40, so he got that wrong term attached to him. Um, Raz puts everything into perspective. Everything's 0 to 10. Everybody understands 0 to 10. 0 ain't good. You don't want to be a 0. So it's it's easy, and that's the idea. Make it easy for fans. I have one question. I heard you refer to it as Raz. Is that how you, the creator of this, refers to it? Because we've been using RAS this entire time. RAS yeah. is totally fine. It, it, it depends on the context. Like I'll call it RAS when I'm, I'm being more descriptive of like the metric. Because I always like to say that the R does all the heavy lifting. Because like the, the, the athletic part you get, right? It's right. athletic thing. The score is the number. The R is where you get into it's compared to the player's uh, positional group based on the entire position from 1987 to the draft year. And it, you get into that more complicated stuff when you get behind that R. Um, but I mean, people calling it R, uh, RAS score also works. It's a composite word, you know. Um, anything that anybody wants to call it, I'm happy with. I'm just, I'm just glad that it's being used and people are having fun with it. I was going to even say that I would – we call it RAS, but – or we have previously, we might amend that moving forward. But I was going to say, if I had to put, if I had to actually like spell it or say, sound it out, I would have called it Ross. And I think Ross. that really goes to show the difference in where you're from, Kent, in East, uh, East Lansing, Michigan, that old, uh, <laughs> you know, that old, I listen, I went to Wisconsin, so I know all about that Midwestern accent. So we're going to hit up, we're going to trigger a very specific <laughs> subgenre of nerds, but. Uh, my son's really into uh, Mech Warrior, and there's a group in Mech Warrior called Russell Hay. Okay. So anytime you hear Ross, that's the first thing that I imagine is my son playing Mech Warrior because <laughs> he loves playing with Russell Hay. But one thing you did mention that was really interesting is, and I'm not sure everyone realizes this, when we, because we, look, we did two podcasts on the Combine, and we referenced your work heavily in both of them because I'm personally a big believer in it. And a lot of people are like, oh, his, his podcast was very RAS. I saw that in some of the comments, um, you know, discussing what, what our terms are. But look, we were talking about the combine. The whole point of the combine is to test our athleticism. Of course, I'm going to reference things like the 10-yard split. But one thing that was interesting that you mentioned, that I'm not sure everyone knows because we went over the scores. This is not the score based on this current class. It's the score based on, like you said, all combine participants at that position since 1987. So it's such a larger sample size to work with there of data. And that makes it, in my opinion, more telling and more true data. Yeah, it's combine and pro day from 1987 today. We have 23,000 players in the database. I think we might have over 20, might not quite be at 20,000 scores. I clean it up every year, so I never know the exact count. Um, but we're there's a lot of guys in that database to compare to. Um, there's, there's actually two scores on the site. If you ever go to the site, there's two scores because we have the RAS and then we have the all time score. RAS locks in your draft year because we don't want to, we don't want to do draft analysis in okay. hindsight. You never want to look back and be like, you know, he was athletic, but not compared to the, you know, 500 guys that have come up since then. That's not really a fair way to evaluate a draft because they didn't know that at the time. They wouldn't have known that. Right. But when you're doing a side-by-side -side comparison, it makes sense to compare two guys as in, against the same data set. So there's also an all-time score uh, for the 2023 class. Those are going to be the same numbers, right? Because those that's just you're doing it until now. That's the same group, right? Uh, but the further back you go, the different those scores are going to look. Uh, it can get pretty fun though, looking at how different testing is today than what it used to be. Kent, so you brought up Levian Bell's name to start the podcast. 
And there's a 2023 prospect that initially just popped directly into my mind. So I had to go to RAS and look him up and see how how related he is to Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Oh, Zach Charbonnet. That's, and that's it's, it's Zach Charbonnet. We're becoming big fans of Zach Charbonnet on this podcast. And I just pulled up those two next to each other. And Zach Charbonnet is a 944 out of 10. Le'Veon Bell is a 908 out of 10. And I just want to just say, like, that's incredible because Zach Charbonnet is a little bit smaller in terms of height, but he ran a 453. So when you were bringing up the fact that he didn't run that 40 as fast, Le'Veon Bell, that is, and how um, people were saying that he wasn't athletic. I look at the Zach Charbonnet and I was like, man, that's kind of similar because Dan and I have been going through Zach Charbonnet tape. We're like, dude, this guy is super athletic. Like he's making guys miss in a phone booth all of the time. I love that you guys bring him up because there's a couple of guys this year where I, I every year there's, there's guys like this where people are like, oh, I have a lot of athletic concerns and I'm watching and I'm like, who are you? Where are you? Where is this? I feel crazy because people who I know watch a lot of tape. Like these aren't people who are just saying, oh yeah, I watched him. But they watch a lot of tape. And they're saying that they think he has athletic concerns. I'm like, where are you getting that? And Charbonnet was one of those guys. His his performance didn't surprise me at all. I was very excited to see him put it on. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was another guy that that people have been saying was going to test poorly. He was one of the best testers of the combine. Uh, but Charbonnet is very similar both in his build and his physicality and his athletic profile to Le'Veon Bell. They're very similar types of prospects. They're very similar types of running styles. It's a very good example to, to take a look at. Yeah, and we didn't see him test in the shuttle or the three cone as far as change direction goes for Charbonnet, but we did see him post elite explosive numbers with the vert and the broad jump and that, or borderline elite on both. And then borderline elite 10-yard split as well, 1.54, just to kind of show off what we see on tape and it backs up. Nick just started watching. I've been I've been watching him for a while, and this is my dude in this class, one of my probably five favorite value picks that is going to be available at any position. But speaking a little bit more about the Giants here, Kent, I wanted to get your discussion. I wanted to get your, your thoughts, I should say, and get into discussion about what Giants general manager Joe Shane did in his first draft of the Giants last year in 2021 and how it relates to RAS or RAS or what did we say it was going to be? Ras. Right. No, I said Ross. I'm, try, I'm trying to get your 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 pronunciation of it down, but um, your inflection. But let's just say this: in his first class with the Giants, for those who don't know, he leaned. I don't want to say he leaned heavily on Ras because we don't know if they're using these these gems. But all of the players, with the exception of DJ Davidson, who the Giants selected, had high high Ras scores. So, what do you think that means, Kent? And what and do you have any more specifics on what the Giants did in that regard? So you mentioned that that you don't know if they use it. I can tell you that they don't because not because I, I think Rez isn't useful because NFL teams have dedicated analytics departments and have for a long time. Um, what Raz is is Raz is a useful analog for what NFL teams use for athletic testing because NFL teams use some kind of composite metric. It's going to be different for all thirty-two teams. But they, they use some kind of composite metric that tells them this is a good athlete, this is a decent athlete, this is a bad one. Um, RAS is a useful analog because it gives you an idea as a fan what that probably looks like. And you can see that in the trends in how these, these different GMs are drafting, how these teams are building their roster. You can kind of see the types of, of testing that they value. Um, if he drafted Kayvon Thibodeau, Micah McFadden, Daniel Bellinger, and Dar uh, Darian Beavers, all of those were elite testers for, for Raz. Marcus McKeithen and Wandale Robinson were um, above average, but not in that elite territory. And as you mentioned, DJ Davidson was the only guy below average. Um, but you don't, you're not looking just at those raw scores. You're looking at the individual metrics as well. So even Davidson, 
He's 328 pounds as a defensive tackle. That's probably a nose tackle. That's probably where he's going to end up playing, right? He's going to be one guy that's inside. He's got long arms. He had a decent enough bench. Um, but he, he's a bigger dude. You don't need most drills when you're looking at a nose tackle. Right. You know, we, we like to joke about how an offensive lineman's never going to run 40 yards. Well, there are plays where an offensive lineman does run 40 yards. There's plays where he runs 20 yards. If you're pulling an offensive lineman from left guard and you're running a screen to the right, that, that left guard might have to run from his left guard position all the way across the field and get somewhere in front of that running back. That's 20, 25 yards by the time he's out there in space. Uh, a nose tackle, however, is never doing that. A nose tackle is going to be within the same 10-yard square for the entire game. The, the farthest he runs is when the play is over and he has to reset. You know, that's that's not somebody that you care about his speed for. And generally, you're not looking at his agility. It's a nice plus to have those traits, um, but you're not looking at, at that all that much either. So even a guy like DJ Davidson, for what he does, his athletic traits are, are perfectly fine, good even in some areas, because he had he had below average agility testing, but not a lot, like not severely below average. And his speed testing was below average, but not severely below average. He's a pretty athletic nose tackle. It's just he's not an athletic defensive tackle, because that includes interior pass rushers. Right. That he is not. Um, but obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is an ext- extremely good athlete. Micah McFadden is. And Daniel Bellinger is an important one because tight ends are either extreme athletes or they're not, essentially. Um, you always want to bank on athletic traits at the tight end position, and that's what they did with Daniel Bellinger. They're looking at those elite elite traits. Um, I, I think it's positive a positive thing from a fan standpoint to see the types of traits that they're prioritizing at the positions that they are because they're looking for fast and explosive guys at the linebacker and on the edge positions. They're looking for those super athletic tight ends. I already mentioned for for Davidson, if you're going to get a nose tackle, try to find an athletic one. Um, and then Wandale Robinson, of course, they're looking for speed. Uh, obviously, size, not his strong suit, but uh, they want to get some speed there. He ran a 4-4-4. That's 88th percentile for a receiver. That's pretty darn fast. You know, they're they're prioritizing the, the things that you should prioritize when it comes to athletic testing and looking for those specific types of traits that you want on your team. On the Wandell Robinson point, and I'm not sure if you have any information to provide for this, but his wingspan was 67 and 5 eighths and his arm length was 27 and 5 eighths, which was in the zero percentile. Are there other wide receivers who have like zero percentile or one percentile arm length that have been successful in the NFL? I'm, I'm imagining there are probably slot guys. I don't have, like, I know like Danny Woodhead, who was a running back, had like, <laughs> had a wingspan, I think of like 27 inches, but I'm thinking of some of these other receivers like Tank Dell who are in this draft class who have shorter arms, not to the severity of Wandale Robinson, but I just want to know if there's any metric from the RAS that we could take away from these guys who just have Tyrannosaurus Rex type arms. And we're on an extreme, right? And it's the same thing when Kenny Pickett came out last year and he had those really tiny hands. You know, we just don't have a lot of guys on that extreme to really compare to. I did post, I was trying to find it. I did have a tweet about Wandale's arm length last year because there is no example there, there's no, oh, he could be just like this guy who found success by doing these things. You don't have that. There, that doesn't exist. So there's no useful player that you can point to and be like, these are the ways that he might do it. Um, that doesn't mean that he's going to be bad. That doesn't mean he's immediately a failure. It just means we don't have an example to, to really base any, any of our, our uh, presumptions upon. We, we can't look at it and say, this is how he could do it. Um, we don't have that with Wanda Robinson. His his arm span arm length is really, really tiny. And we just don't have those types of examples. 
looking at RAS, Kent, to kind of give maybe a cheat sheet spark notes type thing for those listeners who may not be as well, you know, well versed in it. Tell me, I'm going to go over some things and you tell me anything that stands out as wrong and then correct it. If they're looking for testing a, an athlete's agility and ability to change directions, they want to look at the shuttle and the three cone, which you have higher. If they're looking for quickness, acceleration, start and start, start and stop ability, zero to 60, the 10 and 20 yard splits, the That's explosiveness. Yeah. Okay. The explosiveness, they want to look at the vertical and the broad jumps. Yeah. And people like to include the 10 yard split in there too. Okay. I don't, I don't because of how the, the weighting system works, but I understand why some people do use 10 yard split in for explosiveness as well. Okay. Interesting. I didn't, I hadn't heard that before. So, and then finally just speed, raw speed, straight line speed is the 40 yard dash. Right. And, and the, the 20 is, is, and 10 are both useful for that because you can gauge the flying 10, the flying 20, when you're, when you're just subtracting, right. You're just taking okay. the 20, 20, 40 minus the 20 is your flying 20. Um, which is the fastest point of a 40 yard dash so okay. it, that can be a useful metric too but yeah that's that's a good way to measure speed obviously because that's that's what it is running running straight line fast cool and so yeah go ahead nick i was just gonna say so in terms of football in general and res and these testing metrics are there some predictive athletic trends that translate to success for let's say offensive line. I think you could probably do this with every single position, but yeah. let's specifically focus on the offensive line. What are the athletic trends that typically translate to success in the NFL? So you're going to, you're going to hear about typing a lot when you're talking about the specific traits that translate to success. So there's some general trends and then there's more specific ones, depending on the type of player that they are for the offensive line. The, the easiest to notice general trend is players with a, a very good short shuttle tend to find success. Uh, players under, uh, I think it's four, four, seven are the most successful, uh, based than any, any subgroup in the NFL when it comes to, to athletic testing is offensive linemen with a shuttle four, four, seven or better. With um, the exception I, of Andre Dillard. <laughs> right. There are failures. I mean, there's always going to be guys that don't succeed, but when you have more guys succeeding within a group than any other group, that's what you're really looking for. Um, I posted an article about that uh, sometime last week. I'm still working on getting up a, a good spot on my site for those types of things, um, for like data studies and things like that. But I do have a data study on the shuttle specifically for offensive linemen. Um, but again, there's typing. So there's some types of offensive lines don't really care about lateral agility that much. Um, a few years ago, the Raiders had a really strong offensive line, and, and they were one of those ones that didn't really prioritize that lateral agility. They, they prioritized explosiveness they like guys that were able to burst off the line really fast um and they did a really good job with that for a short amount of time because the franchise has some other issues <laughs> but um, it, it again depends on the type of thing you're trying to do a lot of teams in the nfl today like a little bit lighter offensive linemen who can be really strong in that lateral movement area so the shuttle tends to be a very translatable drill for it um, you'll see the same thing for the three cone drill and pass rushers. Obviously, 40 yard dash and wide receivers is a big one. Um, any power rusher or power anything, power pass rusher, uh, power running back, even some kinds of wide receivers that are kind of bullies at the line. It's all about those explosion drills, about your vert and your broad jump. Um, and yeah, you're not going to have a guy that's going to try to jump 40 inches on the field at any given point or do a standing broad jump, you know, 10 feet at any given point in a football game. But the muscle groups that you are engaging when you do those drills are the same muscle groups that a player is going to use when they are doing things like breaking off the line to beat a jam, doing the opposite, trying to jam somebody at the line, 
Um, being out as a safety out in the open field and having to scour the field, seeing where the ball is going and being able to explode from that position to the direction you need to be going to get to there before the ball does. Those are all translatable uh, athletic traits when you actually start looking at what the player is actually doing. So one offensive lineman qualifies for the under four, four, seven mark from this combine. And that is John Gaines, the second from UCLA. That's number 57. I'm actually currently watching him. And I got to say, I'm like uh, two games in maybe. And I really appreciate his tape. Dan, I'm sure you saw a lot of him when you were watching Charbonnet. Yeah, for sure. He, that part of the only, the only part of Charbonnet's profile that I've, I want to say question marks on, but I do think that some of his production was scheme based and blocking based because I thought they had a really, they did a really good job there, Chip Kelly. And that he was definitely one of those players who I would give tip, tip my hat to and say, you know, he aided the process a little bit. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said about opportunism in, in college football and being able to take what's given to you. Um, Notre Dame was notorious for that a few years when they had that ridiculous offensive line for like five or six years yeah. where their running backs just had the easiest go of it. They weren't getting hit for like four and a half, five yards before they were even touched most of the time. So there's, there's a scheme element to it. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Kent, I want to, don't want to take too much of your time here. We really appreciate you coming on, but we did want to discuss with you this current class coming up. Cause that's what everybody here wants to hear about the 2023 NFL draft class. Who should the Giants take? Who are some players that are moving up and down the draft boards? Who are some value plays? So just maybe give us a takeaway from each position from an RAS standpoint that you had. It could be a positive. It could be a negative. Yeah. One of the biggest ones from uh, the wide receiver position was Jordan Addison. He's one of the highest rated receivers in this class. He didn't test as well as people had expected him, him to. The same was true of Keishon Boutte from LSU. He didn't test nearly as well as anybody wanted to. The difference between those two players is that Addison still tested pretty well in the stuff that he wins with. He still tested a pretty, pretty decent in the 40 yard dash and he wins with speed quite a bit. Whereas Boutte is kind of a, a guy who expected to be more explosive, and he really wasn't. So his testing kind of dings him a little bit more, even though both kind of disappointed. You're still paying attention to what traits they're using on a football field. Uh, the same is true on the other end of the spectrum. You see a guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton, who was the best tester at wide receiver. Um, got a lot of people looking at his tape right now from West Virginia, and there's a lot of positives there. Um, but you don't want to overrate that athleticism. There's still going to be wrinkles into their game. Um, Andre Yosifis from uh, Princeton is another guy that tested extremely well. We expected him to test extremely well. Like those athletic, athletic traits were always there. But the reason he's not a higher rated prospect is there's other parts of his game that still need some development. You can't just use a number like Raz. And I'm the one saying this. I created yeah. this metric. So if, if you, you can never just use that metric. Um, moving on from wide receiver, you have tight end. This is a ridiculous tight end class. Um, Athleticism at the tight end position is one of the most uh, most uh, important traits for any other position um, for in terms of athleticism, general athleticism. And almost every tight end in this class at the combine tested extremely well. I think we had all but one guy. Yeah, all but one player who tested at the combine was above eight. Wow. Raz. So an extremely athletic class. That's why you keep hearing it's like the best tight end class in decades. Uh, that's why it's an extremely athletic group. Um, getting on the offensive line, we already talked about the shuttle, but overall athleticism is still very important. I've already talked about why, like the 40 yard dash doesn't seem like it would be important, but if your offense puts your, your offensive tackles on the move quite a bit, 
what you're testing is an offensive tackle, a big man's ability to get up to a top speed very quickly and then maintain that speed over a distance. It's not just run 40 yards straight line fast. It's can he get up to speed and maintain that speed over a distance. If your team uses their running backs in space a lot, your offensive tackles are going to be on the move a lot. And you want to be able to have a guy that can move. So you pay attention to those types of guys, guys that can get out on the move. Um, defensive side of the ball, pass rushers, most athletic position you, you need to have on defense is your pass rushers. You want guys that can bend. You want explosive guys. A lot of ways you can win not win on the end on the edge, but most of those ways involve athleticism. Almost every elite pass rusher in the NFL for the last 20 years has been an elite testing athlete, not just above average, elite. That's a, that's a very athletic group. Um, I always like to joke around about how the number one guy for Raz is some guy named Brian Johnston. He was a seventh round pick from the Kansas City Chiefs like 10 years ago. <laughs> but like the next eight guys are like Miles Garrett, Mario Williams, Kyle Vandenbosch, Javon Kurse. It is not a short list of great pass rushers at the top of that list. It's just a weird guy at the top who doesn't, yeah. doesn't really seem like he belongs there. Um the same thing is going to be true for linebackers. There are some linebackers who didn't test all that well. The most recent one being Nick Bolton, um, who didn't test very well, just won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Um, obviously, a fantastic player isn't asked to do everything that some players are asked to do. Has has the requisite speed, but he wasn't super explosive or agile, um, and he's a little bit undersized. But most linebackers who find success in today's NFL are very athletic. Um, one of the best rookie linebackers in the NFL last, last year was actually a sixth-round pick on my team, the Detroit Lions. Not, not just bragging because of that. He was an extremely good linebacker last year, um, which is Malcolm Rodriguez. And he's an undersized linebacker but extremely athletic. And that athleticism allows you to do a lot of stuff at the linebacker position. Um, and then, of course, finishing up with the corners and the safeties, you want guys that can run. Um, if your defense uses a lot of man scheme, you generally want guys who have really good 40 yard dashes because you got to have guys who are fast to cover those guys man on man. Um, if you're in a zone scheme, speed doesn't really matter as much. What matters is the ability to be explosive and quick. So you're looking more at the explosion and agility drills than you are the 40 yard dash. Um, the same is pretty much true for safety. If your safety needs to be read and react, you want that agility and explosiveness more than you want that speed. If your safety is going to be right up on the line running with guys, you want them to have some speed. Um, I think that covers pretty much everything. It's the lightning round version of, of <laughs> athleticism and positions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Oh, man, bringing up Malcolm Rodriguez is just depressing because watching his tape at Oklahoma State, it was so obvious he was going to be a good football player. Like he was an absolute animal playing through contact. And then he ends up being a pretty good athlete. But since he's what, like 5'11", everybody just yeah. overlooked him. And now he looks like a steal for you guys. So congratulations, Ken. You got a steal right there in the sixth round. Well, he also uh, bench pressed his own weight um, 36 times. He set a record for the most the most, most uh, 225 bench, pre bench presses by a linebacker ever, um, and he's only 230 pounds. So he basically lifted himself 36 times as part of his pre-draft process. So he's, he's, he's more than just the speed and explosiveness. He's got a little bit of power in there too. Can I have one question about a quarterback to the Giants? Are not going to draft, but Anthony Richardson blew up this combine from an athletic standpoint. Has there been any other quarterback that has had that type of RAS, 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 whatever you want to call it, score and has performed that well at the combine, like Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from the University of Florida, did? Yes, yeah, so he took the 10 overall spot. In, in RAS, you only have one guy at the top, which is the 10.0 guy, um, except for wide receiver, which have, we have so many wide receivers that there's more than one guy with 10. Calvin Johnson is the top guy, and then everybody else. Um, Richardson took that 10-0 spot from Cam Newton. And Cam Newton was a multiple pro bowler. He won an MVP. He made it to the Super Bowl. You know, this isn't some guy that just, just hung around. Um, it's kind of funny because even though he had that 10 overall spot, it was very beatable. Like it was, the numbers were really, really good because Cam Newton was a ridiculous athlete. But there was a lot of guys who probably could have beat his score and just didn't test. Lamar Jackson didn't test. Kyler right. Murray didn't test. Um, Malik Willis last year didn't test. And finally, Anthony, Rich, Anthony Richardson tested. And we were all very excited because we're like, oh, it's, it's, it's happening. We're going to get a 10 guy now. <laughs> um, prior to Cam Newton, the guy that had that 10 overall spot was Dante Culpepper, a multiple pro bowler, an all pro, um, tore his ACL late in his career. I believe it was his ACL. And then that, that kind of tanked the latter part of his career. But he was a fantastic player for a long time. And his athleticism was a big part of why. So it's it's doable. You can you can do a lot with an athletic quarterback. Yeah, especially in today's NFL with the game changing so much. Oh yeah. I mean both both of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl were elite elite tier athletes. You know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't really have the speed, but he's an extremely agile and explosive player. And of course, Jalen Hurts is a fantastic yep. athlete. One final thing I wanted to get to leave to leave the listeners on. Uh Ken, if you just have maybe any examples of players from this class that stood out so much from an, from an athletics testing score standpoint that, cause I always feel like with the mock drafts, it's never, it's, it's hard to do for the media. I understand, but they're never really that relatively close to what the NFL teams are actually thinking and doing because the teams are very well guarded. But as far as the, our, the relative athletic testing score goes, I do see every year players who blow up the combine move up in either the mock drafts of what have come before the combine, but, regardless of that, what ultimately ends up happening in the actual draft, these players are drafted higher than they might've been any players that come to mind already for you and any position that you think now will be start, you'll start to see in the mock drafts going in round one or earlier in round two, something like that. Yeah. The earlier around two, one and, and round three is going to be Zach Coons from old dominion. Um, we saw this last year with Jelani Woods. This is another uh -huh. guy that took that 10 overall spot. Um, Zach Coons's athletic testing was ridiculous. He's six foot seven and he ran a six eighty seven three cone, which is bonkers. The ability to bend around, bend around a cone. If anybody's seen the cone drill, you know, you run, you bend around a cone, you bend around another cone, then you bend back around that other cone again. So a lot of bending and, and getting low to the ground. 
height can be a disadvantage when you're doing the cone drill and right. all you know six seven and three eights that's that's not a small dude um and it, it what doesn't hurt that his uh vertical and broad were 99th and 98th percentile um his agility drills were 96th and 95th percentile he ran a 96th percentile 40 yard dash at a four five five um you know, almost every drill I've listed just now was 95th percentile and higher. The, the the worst drill that he had or worst test that he had was his weight, which was still 255 pounds at tight end, which is, right. I mean, that's that's not below average by any means. It's not elite, but it's still a very good size for a tight end. And that was his worst tr- test was that. Um, he even had a really good bench despite having really long arms and physics just works against you when you have long arms. Um, so he's a guy I think you're going to see pushing up a lot. Um, into the first round, you're probably going to see a lot more Deontay Banks and Jack Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. Deontay Banks, the cornerback out of Maryland, and Jack Campbell's a linebacker out of Iowa. Both of those guys had occasionally seen their name thrown around in first round consideration. Um, after the combine, I think you're going to see both of those guys quite a bit more. Uh, Deontay Banks is probably going to be the guy that benefits most from Clark Phillips III's poor testing. He, uh, the cornerback out of Utah, he tested a little bit poorer. I think you're going to start to see people just switching those two guys out. Um, and then Jack Campbell, everybody loves Jack Campbell's tape. They were just worried about his testing, and he was the best testing linebacker at the Combine. So right. he answered those questions in spades. Um, so those are the guys I think you're going to see move around a lot. Another guy is Luke Musgrave, um, who I love and I've had as my tight end one for for some time. But now that the combine's over, I think you'll start to see more people putting him into that first round consideration. He always should have been there, guys. But <laughs> I, I completely he, agree with you. I think I've been, I've been singing his praises for a month now, and I understand the injury profile there, which is why yeah. there is some hesitation for sure. And we don't really know the medical situation. The NFL teams don't reveal that. That if we do see him drop, I think it's 100 percent related to that. But as far as prospects go, I told this to Nick on the last podcast. There's probably not 30 prospects I take over somebody like that. When you can move the way he moves at that size. It makes you a unicorn type prospect, the NFL level and production wasn't there exactly in college, but we looked at it and it wasn't really there for Travis Kelsey either at Cincinnati. I know he had one kind of breakout year where he had like 708, but like he surpassed that in spades in the NFL with the chiefs. So like you said earlier with tight end, you really want to look to project athletic traits because that's the telltale sign production, not so much. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kent. There was a lot of great information in this interview. We're really happy to get, a better feel for what RAS is because we reference it a lot. People on the podcast keep asking us, you keep referencing, referencing this. What does it all mean? Well, now you guys have a better idea of that. So thanks again for joining us, Ken, anything you want to shout out as far as where people can find your work, where they can, uh, and also where they can follow you on social media. Yeah. All of my work is up at ras.football. You can go there and look up of any player from 1987 to today. We have again, over 23,000 players in the database. You can look up their scores. Uh, We've got the ability now to compare those players side by side to anybody else right beneath their card on the player page. You can switch their position. There's a calculator. You can go figure out what they would have if they had, if uh, Russell Wilson was a little bit taller, what would he have scored? You know, that, that type of stuff. You can do that now right there on the card Um, below the the table on the main page. There's a listing of all the teams. All of those lead to a team page that has the team roster. So you can go look up the giants roster and see the rest of everybody on the giants roster currently. That's cool. Um, Beneath that on that page is a list of uh, the, the highest score, lowest score and average for every test for every position on the giants roster. So you can go there and look up what the giants have currently on their roster. It might give you an idea of the kind of player they're looking for in the draft. 
Um, you can check out all my socials right now, currently uh, at MathBomb on Twitter. I'm always up for talking football. Um, and of course, my other work, if you get bored and you want to go run a couple of mock drafts, you can go to profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft and run the mock draft simulator there. I'm the curator of that mock draft. I'm the one that runs the algorithm for it and maintains nice. all of our player rankings and team needs and all that fun jazz. So you can go there and support all that stuff. And hopefully just reach out to me and talk about football, man. This is, this is like you said, my season. I love talking football. So I get, I get more eyes on more people who want to talk about it. So let's go. Let's talk football. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks again, Kent. Appreciate your time, man.